You know, I see it all the time. People always want to help out, which is good. Unfortunately, there are times when people try to raise funds for somebody, for a family in need or something else. And because they're not hooked up with a nonprofit, the monies that are donated are not tax deductible. Or they want to put on an event, but they can't put on the event because they need insurance and the insurance just costs way too much. Well, I'm here to tell you there is a organization right here in Joppa Town that covers all that. And if you join them, not only do you get benefits from Hertz Rent-A-Car, 1-800-Flowers, the Clay Monet, which is a local business, Town Grill and Pub, which is a local business, there's so much more that you get discounts from just being a member of this organization. And they do a lot with the kids. They do vision screening, hearing screening, diabetes research, hunger. They're grilling out all the times for other nonprofits and for the homeless. You know, Plus cleaning up the parks. And that's the Joppa Town Lions Club. Contact them right now. You'll find the link on HartfordCountyLiving.com and ask them how you can become a member of the Joppa Town Lions Club. You know, it's great when you see artists helping each other. And we are fortunate enough to have two artists on the podcast today, one of which has has been on several times, uh, the maestro himself, Sheldon Bear, uh, conductor and founder of the Susquehanna Symphony Orchestra, he will be talking to us because they have a concert coming up May 18th. However, we also have another local artist who is going to be set up at the concert displaying her art. And to hear her story, it's amazing how she started and then stopped and why she got back into it. And I'll just tell you this, Lyme disease had a lot to do with it. So sit back and enjoy another episode of Harford County Living. listening to the Harford County Living Podcast with Rich Bennett. Thank you for coming and please send any suggestions or comments to podcast at harfordcountyliving.com. The Harford County Living Podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes can be found at harfordcountyliving.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorites, RRS feed, or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's join Rich Bennett and his special guest. I'd like to welcome everybody to Harford County Living. We are, I guess you could say this podcast is artist, because we have two artists with us. Both have been featured on Harford County Living. Uh, we have the maestro himself, Sheldon Bear, is back. Uh, they have a concert coming up May 18th. And we have a young lady with us, Tracy Grumbach, right? Did I pronounce That's right. it right? That's right. Who uh, is a young artist and former teacher, now teaching again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and we'll go into her story here in a little bit. But Sheldon, welcome back. Thank it's, you. It's, it's always it's been a while. Always fun to be here in Joppa Town <laughs> with Rich and the other folks. Yeah. Lol. Lol. The other folks. They yeah. just the other folks. Lol, so. Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> so concert coming up May 18th. Concert. Our next concert. Last Can you concert. Change it? I got to work that night. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. So, <laughs> concert is May 18th, Saturday night, at Beller High School, and 7.30. And it's a really mix of a number of pieces. But the big piece on the program is Dmitry Shostakovich's 
second piano concerto with high school senior Kara Iwanowski uh, playing. Now, she's played with us twice before. She's at the Baltimore School for the Arts, and uh, she's, you know, fabulous pianist. She has been invited to several of the top uh, music schools in the country so far. Oh, wow. Still waiting to hear from one or two. So... Um, I taught Kara at Southampton Middle School, and uh, we've obviously kept in touch. So she's uh, an f- excellent pianist and uh, really a delight to work with. I, it's nice to have soloists that are, that are good to work with. So we're doing Shostakovich's second piano concerto. So if you've seen the movie Fantasia 2000, mm-hmm. there's Fantasia, then there's Fantasia 2000. This piece is featured in okay. that movie. So uh, it, it's really a cool work, and the composer, who was Russian, but lived almost completely through the Soviet era, and he had a lot of trouble with the Soviet leadership. Uh, Shostakovich, he wrote this for his son, Maxim, who, when, who, when he graduated, was graduating from high school. So we're having a soloist who's graduating from high school, and she's playing a concerto by Maxim Shostakovich. Uh, by Dmitry Shostakovich, who he wrote for his son Maxim uh, when he graduated from high school. And I've met Maxim twice, actually. Really? So, yeah. So it's pretty cool. i, I got to ask you this. How does it feel uh, to you when you have prior students coming up and actually, like, you know, her being featured? I mean, just how does it make you feel? Oh, it, it it's a great feeling. I'm so glad that they have continued not only as a guest artist like Kara right and we've had Kevin Bazinski who continues to be a trumpet in the Navy band and we had Dave Murray also another former student who plays trombone with the National Symphony and a wow. number of other people who who we just had Sarah McGill on harp in December she's a former student and when I say former student it's former you know orchestra students when I from my teaching days at right. uh, Harford County Public School. But also, in the Susquehanna Symphony, there are usually, at any concert, 15 to 20 former students in the orchestra who had me as a teacher. And maybe they're music teachers, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're working for the Army or accountants right. or lawyers. I have a lawyer in the orchestra who's a former student. And she's really? on the board. Oh, yeah, Danielle Willard. She's super, and she's was really instrumental pun intended, to um, <laughs> uh, with our our partnership with Coffee Coffee because they've had two Susquehanna oh, Symphony special lattes. Yeah. We had two. What? Yeah, we had the Nutty Irishman over uh, <laughs> over uh, March for, you know. They named one after Patrick's. you, Lyle. Look at that. You can thank <laughs> Sheldon. <laughs> yeah, well, at least he's picking on Lyle and not Sheldon. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's truly rewarding. And the idea of being a teacher is... You pass on things. Your teacher passed on stuff to you. And I just visited my former conducting teacher in Philadelphia again. And and you, you just and then these young people, they get a little older, they'll pass on the, their love of music or their performance or right. whatever. Dave Murray in the National Symphony, he's teaching at Peabody. So he's passing on what he learned, you know, yeah. to to the younger generation. That's the way it works. Do you? I don't know if it's me, but I mean, to me, I I see it either there or I'm just looking for it more. But do you see more of the younger people getting into this type of music now? There, are, there are a lot. 
And I just finished a few weeks. This time of year, it's it's assessment festival uh, month, March essentially in Maryland, and that means or school orchestras go to a central location and perform for judges, and I would be one of the judges, and then you sight read. Uh, your orchestra sites, sight reads. Okay. So in Harford County, I did. The, I was a sight reading judge, and uh, so I. This school year, I worked in Cecil County, Anne Arundel County, Harford County, Frederick County, and as a clinician in Charles County to work with the children. And there are a lot of young people making music, a- and, and and it's it's really great. And Maryland is a great state for that. Yeah, there are some states that music has left you know has gone so uh, we can be happy that music and the arts uh, visual arts as well um, I was in Mississippi 10 years ago they had their schools had actually done away with music and believe it or not phys ed thinking what? that if they would give the kids more math they their their test scores would go up I, I sat down and talked to the arts administrator for the state and from Mississippi, that was like I said ten years ago. And guess what? The uh, standardized test scores went down because <laughs> kids need art and kids need to go outside. They need to be active, yeah. and they need to be active. Uh, you know, where my old school, former school, Southampton, there are teachers that actually just stop what they're doing and take their classes outside. Just to walk and talk, let the kids, you know, walk and talk. No right. phones. Just, and uh, it's important. Well, I know my daughter just was it last year. One of her classes was wellness walking. Yeah, exactly. Where High school, just you just go walk. Get out and walk. Yeah, it's it's really important. That's the only time I could get her to walk. And she comes over the house like, come uh, on, Grace, go for a walk. <laughs> she just doesn't want to walk with no. you. Well, <laughs> her mother is. Well, uh, it could be that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have the same problem. My kids are <laughs> Although she does like hiking with Lau. Maybe, I, maybe you're right. Maybe it is just me. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what she tells me. But. Uh, <laughs> so what else is going to be going on at the concert? So uh, we're going to do... Uh, premiere of a piece written more than 20 years ago by a Baltimore composer, Vicki Rudeau. She goes by Vivian uh, Adelberg. I never know. I have to look. Rudeau. And I've known Vicki for a long time. We've never played any of her music. I'm like, come on. We need to do something. So we're doing a fanfare for my hero in the pinstripe suit, which is a cute little fanfare that we're going to start. Then we're going to go into the Shostakovich piano concerto with Kara. Then the second half are, uh, will be a, a, an overture by Franz Schubert, the great early Romantic Austrian composer. Then William Grant Still's Archaic Ritual, and a number of the people that were in the orchestra in the 90s said, we need to bring Archaic Ritual back, which is a really cool piece. William Grant oh. Still is a dean of African-American composers, and his daughter has been our guest several times. We know Judy Still well, and uh, we're always happy to play the music of William Grant Still first african-american to conduct a major symphony in the united states really 1936 hollywood bowl los angeles philharmonic how about that nice so uh really cool I, and we've yeah. done a number of his pieces and then we're going to end with a real barn burner a piece by uh, french composer leo delib uh, from his ballet sylvia and uh 
good chance that even though your listeners might go, oh, I never heard of them, you've heard this music, or you know, right. somewhere on TV or whatever, and it ends with a you know a great great ending. So uh, it'll be a fun concert May eighteenth. I think the one time we talked, they Hartford Cable Network only films one concert. March. Mm-hmm. Okay. Has there been any talk about doing more? Uh, no, I think they they probably get some sort of grant to do one. Okay. So uh, we've uh, they they streamed our last concert, and we had uh, a few issues with the streaming, but hopefully they're worked out, and uh, it was their first chance to to attempt to stream a concert live. See, that was going to be my next question. What about doing it also through the station, the radio station? I don't know how to do that. Oh, okay. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm i just a volunteer. <laughs> Wednesday mornings is the, just the bare necessities of classical music. And um, I'd be nice if they could I know, get it done. The thing is, I know how to work the buttons that I know. <laughs> Otherwise, I can read the weather. I can hit some buttons, and otherwise, you know, the phone rings. When the phone rang the first time, I'm like, where's the phone? Or when the, you know what really scared me? The very first time they went into the the, um, emergency of the national broadcasting system, you know. Right. And it was so loud in the radio, (laughs) I jumped off my seats. (laughs) And then, what do you do? I didn't know what to do. It turns out you don't do anything. Right. Yeah, I remember the first time I was at, I forget which station I was, but that thing came across. I'm like, what in the world? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it you does know what scare you. Yeah. Scared. You're not expecting it, and you're listening to music, and all of a sudden, it's like, er, yeah. er, you're like man. It's like when you hear the, remember, they used to have the tornado siren. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When right. that goes, the same yeah. thing, it's except you're in a little room, and it's a wow, Yeah, you're in this little studio, and it comes across, and it's, well, it's, it's supposed to be unbelievably annoying. So yeah. It's supposed to get your attention. But is that you, guys? I'm used to it. I'm used to it now. I, yeah. And I know what to do is almost nothing, but still. <laughs> now, it'd, be, it'd be nice if somehow or another they could do that because there's a lot of people in the county that are, well, not just in the county, in the state, that are missing out on your concerts. Yeah. And you and I talked about this before. A lot of people think that it's just classical music, and it's not. Right. You know, it, it's it, it's it's uh, to me. I say feel good music because you know just hearing it all and it does. It makes you feel good, but it's everything is a little but bit different. What people, uh, you know, I you generally chat with an audience about mm-hmm. things. What what folks who've never been to such concerts um, might consider, you know, uh, may not understand. Yeah, is that. With orchestral music like this, it's not that different from pop music in that there's a main theme and there's a second theme. You might call it the chorus or something like that, and, and then and they come back. It's just that with orchestral music, it's a little. It can often be a little bit more long-winded because they develop the themes a little bit more. Right. In pop music, it's basic, and there are composers like that in orchestral music. Next May. We're going to, um, May 2020, we're going to celebrate uh, the women getting the right to vote 100 years in the United States. And we're going to have four living composers, uh, sorry, three living female composers plus one past um, on the first half of the program. And my former student, Jennifer Hutt, 
will be one of the composers, and she lives in Paris. She plays rock and roll violin, and she composes for French film. And so she's putting together four pieces. She's starting to orchestrate and taking her composition skills that she has worked on uh, really a lot on her own. She's unbelievably gifted um, to write for vignettes. So these are short pieces right. that are not really developed. They're just four ideas from her films. Uh, uh, and that's another way to, you know, so there's different ways that... Uh, Composition can go. Rock and roll violin. Oh yeah. So she, what? She got one of the flying V violins. No, she actually <laughs> uses her the violin that she had when I taught her in middle school and high school. Really? And yeah, we met in London for dinner. Sounds fancy, but it wasn't. And uh, <laughs> us and uh, and we chatted about it, and she sent me some ideas and stuff, and. Um, She's breaking in, trying to break into uh, with the one orchestra over there to have her them play her music. So we're working together, and so she's putting these together, and she'll be with us for that concert, May twenty twenty. Okay. And then we're going to have a violin soloist in the second half who is also female. So uh, really celebrating the you know right woman's right to vote sort of thing. So that's a good idea. Well, thank you. I try to I try to have good ideas. Yeah. Have you have you ever looked at uh, Maryland Public Television to? promote any of these programs? I haven't. Yeah. No. Um, do you have an idea? <laughs> yeah, give them a call. <laughs> well, no, I, I, seriously, I mean, it, it, especially with the, the centennial of, uh, of that and, coming up, uh, yeah. Women's right to vote, you know, that, that that would certainly be something that they would be interested in and could help yeah. promote your I organization. Think, and there's the other organizations that are interested in that, too. There's, there's a number of organizations that are really uh, you know, want to bring this to the fore, right? Um, so it, it's it's uh, yeah, maybe maybe build in fundraising mechanism along with that. Yeah, I know that they always they always look for for programs that bring fundraising with them. Yep. You know, if you can do that, possibly. I I, I think that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. um, it's always interesting for Hartford Cable Network and for any kind of streaming or recording mm -hmm. for the Susquehanna Symphony. Uh, if we actually broadcast anything that's copyrighted, it would cost us thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, yeah. So, so we all for the March concert we always choose either music by a new composer who owns his own music or hers, or public domain music. Okay. So, and let everybody know because you guys are a nonprofit. Absolutely, five hundred one c three. So people can donate, yeah. and this is our forty second season, and I started the orchestra, you know, a long time ago. So we started. Um, that would be like forty two years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> we're close. So you know, I had to get an attorney and stuff when we started it, right. and and uh, get into forty two years ago is a lot harder than it is today to it, do that. Yeah, because now it you can just go online. Right? You can. Good point. And it was a lot harder being a musician in some ways because now, as a musician, you can go online yeah. and see performances and see how different orchestras, opera companies, whatever, respond to what's going on. So everything's changed. Um, social media has changed things as well. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually came across a YouTube channel, and I forget the name of it, but the guy calls himself a nerd. 
and he's just talking about different pieces of, you know, uh, classical music. Mm-hmm. And I, I came across it because, and I didn't think I was going to bring this name up during the podcast, but <laughs> I came across it because I was searching for Frank Zappa's work. Okay. And he was talking about all his stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, all his work. And I'm looking at all his videos. This guy, I have to send you the link. Okay. Because it's... I'll be good. It's very... It's almost like a mini documentary on all these different composers. What people don't understand is nerds are cool. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a podcast nerd. There you go. You are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lyle's a nerd in a hat. I'm a music nerd. Nerds, you're right. Nerds are cool now. Thanks That's to Revenge of the Nerds. I th- may, may have taken it a little that. bit later. But <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. So, uh, also at the concert, I, you're going to have some stuff set up out in the lobby, right? Yeah, for the last few years, uh, we've worked with visual artists in the county because we feel that it's important that if people want to share their uh, visual art uh, with our concert goers, it's here's an opportunity. You walk in and and there's visual arts, and some people have sold a few a few items or or at least become familiar. So Lisa Lawrenson has been involved with that. I taught her girls uh, both string players and turns out the one the oldest one who's studying music in Millersville she was in a in with Kara Iwanowski the our pianist back in middle school they were in a a <coughs> uh, piano trio together do you know what's in a piano trio I would think three I, pianos that would, <laughs> so that would be wrong uh, huh yeah exactly so why they call this a piano trio I have no idea you know it's just strange but a piano trio is a piano, a violinist, and a cellist. Pianist, so violinist, cellist. Strings. So, yeah. Well, piano is not really considered a string. But anyway. <laughs> but that's called a piano trio. An oboe quintet is an oboe, two violins, a viola, and a cello. So, yeah. I know. You're looking at me like I have Yeah, because I'm all confused yeah, now. It is confusing. And I, I think sometimes this is where... This kind of music, you know, you say classical, but it's more like art music. Yeah. It's classical is a particular period of time. Right. Uh, 1750s to around the 1820s or whatever. But what I just said and talking about piano trios and, you know, stuff like that put people off from coming to concerts because they go, oh, well, like... I'm already supposed to know this stuff, or I'm supposed to know when to clap, or and and I'd love for people to go. Well, you know, Susquehanna Symphony. You don't have to know stuff ahead of time, and you don't have to worry about when you're going to clap and, and stuff. It's just whatever. Right. So just just come on out and um, listen to music, and uh, you know, Tracy will be sharing her artwork at uh, the next concert along with some other visual artists. Mm-hmm. And a former student was there last time, Erica Fisher, and I bought one of her prints, which was a violin. This is a lovely, lovely piece she did. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's really cool to, like, share and share alike you know, right. with, the, with the artists. Mm-hmm. Now, you've been set up there before, right, Tracy? I have, yes. So I think I've been three or four times I've been set up there, and I have wow. some pieces there cool. as well, I'm glad. which is awesome. Yes. Um, so we, the visual artists definitely appreciate the support of the symphony, and um, 
So, yeah, it's been fantastic, and I'm looking forward to, to showing again in May. Outstanding. See, it's great when, I mean, artists can work together. It is. You know, it, it's, it's supporting each other. I mean, that's key. It is. You know, it's so. great because I can show prior to the show, and then I go in and, and take in the concert and pop back out during intermission. And then, so I get the best of both worlds. Right. I get to show my work, and I get to listen to the concert, which is always fantastic. And Sheldon's jokes. Mm -hmm. And Sheldon's jokes. <laughs> He's quite witty. He keeps us on, on the audience on their toes. Thank you. That's <laughs> right. So when you, set, when you set your art up there, how many pieces of art do you actually have there? Um, I usually uh, bring a table. So I usually have about four or five framed uh, okay. pieces. But then I also have some, um, some print um, trays that I bring as well so I print trays so it, yeah. they're they're like stand-up trays and you just have oh, matted okay. prints pretend in, them. in the old-time LP era when you used to go into <laughs> yes. a, a music store a record store and look through LPs yeah. <laughs> that, that's that, they that's still have them <laughs> yeah Princeton <laughs> is one of the big ones and I like to go but yes <laughs> but that's that's cool so then you can get and oh, another nice thing about a print tray like that is maybe you will, you don't always like the matte color of one. Right. So the artist put prints on with different mats around. Is that what you call sort of like that? Yep. Yeah. yeah okay. And uh, yeah, so you get to choose, you know, color that, you know, might go with your wall. Or and it allows so. me in a very small space to show a lot more work right. as well. So it's just not framed. They're, they're matted. They're just not framed. So you can flip through those uh, print bins and see other work. And what kind of art is it that you do? So I do photography, but okay. I also do what's considered digital and mobile art. It's kind of a new art form, um, newer art form. Okay. Um, as the digital age has progressed and as mobile phones have gotten um, more advanced, they've come out with a lot more art apps that you can get. And um, so a lot of my work is actually completed on iPads or iPhones, um, which is great because it's portable. Right. Um, you can draw, you can sketch, you can paint, you can do all kinds of things on your phone nowadays. So um, it's, it's quite, in the, in the scheme of art, digital and mobile art is very, very new. Um, I can't so. even sign my name on the phone. <laughs> well, you do classes for that too, don't you? I do, you? yes. I teach at Hartford Community um, in the continuing ed department, and I teach photography, I teach Photoshop, I teach mobile art. Um, so, yeah, I teach people how to create art using just their wow. iPhones and iPads. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. So, wait a minute, don't tell me they have Photoshop for phones now. They do. Mm. Yeah, there's a Photoshop app yep, yeah, that you can yeah. download. Yeah. Wow. There's there's thousands <laughs> of art apps. There's painting apps. There's drawing apps. There's um, just, it's indescribable the amount of stuff that you can How have. often do we use the phone to actually talk to somebody? <laughs> exactly. I do all the time. But, I mean, it's either that or, well, now people don't even text. like to call. They'd rather text. Right. But. True. But isn't wow. that cool? Back in, you know, when we were younger and no phones or flip phones, who would have said? Well, if they, somebody said, well, you're going to be young. When you were younger, it was still smoke signals, right? I mean, <laughs> yes, it was. What, what can I say? But, I mean, you know, iPhone, who would have thought, oh, 
Yeah, in 20 years you're going to be using the iPhone yeah. to not only photograph things, but to use Photoshop to make it, you know, whatever, to change it, to add filters or whatever. To pay with and then it. you're going to send it to your friends, and then you can put it out on social media, social <laughs> media and thousands of people could see it. Yes. And you'd go, no. <laughs> if you want to pay with something, you just touch your phone to the device and it's yeah. paid for. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. And, well, that's just, and nowadays, people aren't buying a phone. They're buying the camera. The of phone's course. extra. That's true. Yeah. It's just it's kind so of how, how I approach it. How did you get into this? <laughs> so um, I came about art in a really strange way. Um I always loved art from the time mm. I was little, but when I was in fifth grade, I had a terrible art teacher who um, literally walked behind me, laughed at my work, and said, you're what? not an artist and never will be. Get out of here. True story. Um, <laughs> I still remember her name, but I will not mention it in you case know, she's still alive. Same <laughs> thing happened to me in sixth grade. Really? Exactly. And I had gone to some art school on Saturday mm. morning, and the... You know, the art teacher said, "Oh, you're awful. You're, you know, terrible." Why and I stopped. Why would do that? Yeah. So I stopped from that moment on. It, my little kid's heart, she destroyed, right. and I never took another art class. I took what was required to get through school. Never touched art again from that moment on. And um, back in 1999. Um, actually, I have to thank that teacher because that's why I wanted to become a teacher um, and graduated from Towson with a degree in education and went on to teach in Harford County um, in elementary school. And so actually, I have to thank her. She She's the one who, because I, I never wanted that to happen to another kid. You should send her a piece of your artwork and say, how do you like me now? <laughs> that would be great. But. Um, so I started out being a teacher, um, and when my second child was born um, back in 1999, I decided to be a stay-at-home mom for financial reasons. It was so expensive to put two kids in daycare mm -hmm. and, and that kind of thing. So... Um, I was not a great stay-at-home mom. I, I just, I need to be doing something. I need to get out. So randomly, I looked at the Hartford Community College catalog back then, and they were offering a black and white film class, or photography Ooh. class, and um, with film. <laughs> and, you know, back before the digital cameras were right, were right. widely available. So I um, took the black and white photography class, and it I was hooked the first time I was in that dark room and was just oh, developing. Uh, yeah, developing the film. And, and it came up, and it was like unwrapping gifts on Christmas morning. It just filled me with this um, magical excitement. And I was hooked to photography from that point on, and I did amateur photography for many, many years until eventually, I know this is a very long story to answer your question. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> is um, eventually um, I opened up my own real estate photography business, and I would work for realtors to go photograph, professionally photograph the houses that were being listed. And... Um, and then I became, in 2011, I was bitten by a tick and um, became very, very ill for two and a half years. And 
ended up finding out eventually that I had Lyme disease and but I had become so sick in that in that time period that I couldn't even lift my camera. I was pretty much bedridden. Oh wow. And um, I lost my ability to really communicate. Um, I had some issues with my language uh, that was affected from the Lyme. And um, so in order to communicate, I used my background in photography and Photoshop to start creating digital art so that I could express myself. Um, I was stuck in the house all day. I was miserable. I was in pain. Um, I didn't understand what was happening to me. I didn't have a diagnosis at that point in time. And so I used it as a way to express myself. And from that moment on, um, it opened the door to digital and mobile art, and I haven't stopped since. So that's kind of, I had a, a long, crazy, windy road to get to the art world. Okay, you say you got bit by a tick, mm -hmm. but it took them two and a half years to figure out you had Lyme disease? Yes. So even though I knew, a lot of people don't even know they've been bitten by a tick, mm -hmm. um, but I actually did have a history of a tick bite in 2011. Um, I, it was during the summer and I had flu-like symptoms. I had headache and body aches and just felt miserable. I had a fever. So I, I did go to the, my primary care physician and uh, told her I had a history of a tick bite. I knew nothing about Lyme disease. I had heard right. of it, but I had no idea what it was. Um, and at this point, I fully trusted um, you know, the medical community. So I never had anything prior in my life that would make me suspicious of the medical community. So when my doctor ordered a Lyme test and it came back negative, um, she just said, it's not Lyme disease. And I took her at- Oh, so they did test you? They did test oh, me. Wow. Um, but what I didn't know at the time is that that particular test that they use um, is not very effective and there are a lot of false oh. negatives. Oh. So actually in Maryland, there has been a law that's been passed since, I think it was passed either last year or the year before, that if you're tested for Lyme disease in the state of Maryland, they have to give you a written uh, piece of paper. My understanding of the law is they have to give you um, a written paper that explains if your test comes back negative, it does not necessarily mean that you are Lyme free um, because there are so many false negatives. And that's what happened to me. So, yeah, so it took a long time, two and a half years to finally get a correct diagnosis and start treatment. Wow. It is, well, they said, I think last year, they said it was one of the worst years. It is. It continually, it is continually growing, <clears throat> and the CDC actually um, severely underestimates the amount of people that have Lyme disease. And we, we even think that the, the updated numbers are incorrect because Lyme disease is known as the great imitator. Mm -hmm. And um, it mimics so many other diseases that a lot of times people are misdiagnosed. So especially autoimmune diseases like MS, um, Alzheimer's, um, uh, lupus, I'm trying to think of all the things they, they were checking on me, um, rheumatoid arthritis. Um, a lot of these diseases have the exact same symptoms, and so um, it's difficult to diagnose um, right. if you don't have a positive test result. I guess for something, because I mean, some of these ticks are, you can't even see them, they're so small. That's correct. Some of them are as small as a poppy seed. 
Wow. Okay, so yeah. now you have, I mean, they scan you for melanoma, mm-hmm. all these different cancers they scan. Are you, can you even just go into your doctor and say, hey, I want to be tested for Lyme disease? Well, I, mean, I, I imagine that you probably could. It depends on your doctor if they think, they probably <clears throat> wouldn't test you unless you have symptoms that would indicate a test is necessary. Right. Um, but even if you do get tested, I don't want to throw statistics out there because I'm not prepared with statistics today. Right. Um, but it, there is a high likelihood if it comes back negative that it's not necessarily true, mm. especially if you have symptoms that indicate, you know, clinical symptoms right. that indicate that it could be Lyme disease. So, um, yeah, um, my recommendation is if you think you've been bitten by a tick, and it's um, first of all, if you can get the tick, if you save the tick and put it in a Ziploc bag, you can actually mail the tick away to really? have the tick tested yeah. to see if yeah. it does carry Lyme disease. How about, I didn't yeah. know that. Know. Yes, and and I believe it's a free service. So if you if you do and you can save the tick, I highly recommend doing wow. that. Now that doesn't necessarily mean if it does have Lyme disease that you that it was transferred to you, right. but at least you know and at least you're armed with that information going to your doctor. I was bitten by a tick that was tested and came back positive for mm. Lyme disease. So if you are showing symptoms and you have that ammunition with you, then you have a pretty good chance of getting treated. How about that? So that's that's a new development too. So as we get into this season of people now going out into the woods and stuff yeah. more, mm-hmm. uh, is it recommended that your friend, you know, check you over once you get inside and stuff like that? Absolutely, yeah. and prevention is key. So um, one of the things I always recommend is um, using permethrin. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that exactly right, so I apologize. Um, It's a a chemical that is um, a repellent. The only trick with that is you don't want to use it directly on your skin. You want to treat your clothing. So if you're a hunter or if you are a hiker or even if you're, you know, just going out to enjoy a picnic or something like that, um, you can treat your boots, you can pre-treat your pants, jackets, anything like that. Um, you spray it 24 hours before you're planning your trip out. Mm-hmm. And that far ahead. So that it can wow. dry and make sure that it doesn't transfer <clears throat> to your skin. Um, and then if, you know, if it's a spur of the moment type of thing, I highly recommend using something with DEET in it to help repel the ticks. And then even with those two precautions, um, wearing long sleeves, long pants, um, light colored clothing so it's easier to see the ticks. Right. Tucking you, I know it's not very fashionable, but tucking your pants into your socks to create mm-hmm. a physical barrier from the ticks being crawling underneath your pants. I would have never thought about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so so prevention is, is really key um, because once a tick bites you, you know, it's kind of Russian roulette whether, whether that tick is carrying Lyme. And ticks carry other bacteria. Once I found out that I had Lyme disease in August of 2014, um, I also tested positive for two other tick-borne illnesses. So they're called co-infections, and I was had two additional bacterial infections. I know it makes you crazy. Uh, it does. that's a misconception. People think there's there's really only one tick that will carry the Lyme disease, but all ticks have the potential to carry other mm. bacterial infections. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you hear so much about Lyme disease, but you don't hear a lot about uh, companion infections from different types of bacteria. And, and, and very rarely are you just infected with Lyme disease. Usually, if a, if a tick is carrying Lyme disease, there's a high likelihood it's carrying other diseases as well that are transferred. So Wow. And the, the other good thing about perethrin is uh, you spray it on, it, it'll last up to a week. Yes. Even if you really? wash your clothes. Yes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 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 I, I use it all the time. I have big old from Sawyer, a mm-hmm. big uh, one, one or two quart jug of it, and I use it religiously. And just, and it's, just it, it, it is good stuff. It's <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify, that's the name of the chemical. You're, you're probably not going to go into like a Home Depot and find a bottle that says permethrin. It's, they do sell it under various names and it's an active ingredient right. most of the time. Um, so I don't want people to walk into Home Depot and be looking for a bottle of it. You 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 have to look at the ingredients right. and make sure, yeah. I guess for, because a lot of people like to camp over summer, can you spray that on your tent, your sleeping tent, bag? Tent, your gear, your backpack, anything, okay. anything you use. Just let it dry. Yeah. You don't right. want to have that wet on your skin because it, it can make your make you sick if if it's wet. You don't wow. want to use that on your skin. Because, yeah. you know, summertime, a lot of people would like to wear shorts and short sleeve shirts. Mm-hmm. So, yep. I mean, is there, I guess there's nothing that's 100% effective for your skin, is there? Well, you can use a product that has DEET in it, okay. um, but the recommendation is... DEET isn't that great for you either. (laughs) So when you're finished and you come in, just make sure that you wash and Mm. shower and make sure you wash all of your skin and make sure the DEET comes comes off. Um, You don't want to leave DEET to soak into your skin. You know, don't go to bed with it all over you. You want to make sure that you... (laughs) (laughs) So DEET is also an act, is the name of the chemical. It's not... So um, off, I think, is one of the yeah, product off names. Deep, yeah, yeah, yeah deepwoods yeah. off. And, yeah, deepwoods yeah. off, that type of thing. Yeah. So I'm wow. sorry we got sidetracked with that. I know I'm, <laughs> I'm here. Well, but before we were talking, you also said that May is Lyme, Lyme disease, disease Awareness Month. That's correct, yeah. Now, do you have any pamphlets or anything that you could put at your table to let people know about that? I do, okay. I do. Um, and actually, um, I'm not wearing it today. Um, I w- wasn't prepared to bring it with me today, but an, another artist friend of mine is a jeweler, Kimmy Rankin, and she um, made me a um, pendant that says ticked off, and it has <laughs> like a, a lime-colored heart um, on mm. it as well. And I typically will wear that necklace. Just It's a conversation starter right. because I like to advocate now for um, and get the information out because we do live, Harford County is an mm-hmm. endemic area for, we're in the red the red zone. I mean, even the CDC admits that we're in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really important that we get information out to people of Harford County to protect themselves. And if you do get bitten, to be aware of what the, the symptoms are. What are the symptoms? I knew you were going to ask me I was going to say, because, <laughs> I mean, you sit like... <laughs> took you you said two and a half half years so and the great imitator yeah (laughs) yeah it's known as the great imitator um because there the list of symptoms is far and wide and so varied um for me i'm just going i'm not a doctor so i i have to be very careful what i say (laughs) you feel like something's (laughs) crawling on me (laughs) um but for me the very early signs were um flu-like 
you know, a headache, fever, sore throat, um, extreme, extreme exhaustion. I'm not talking about being tired. I mean, to lift your head off the pillow, exhaustion, um, hard to move, like you concentrate to breathe kind of exhaustion. It sounds like leukemia or something. Severe exhaustion, um, (laughs) joint aches. A lot of people will get... joint pain, which is why a lot of times it's misdiagnosed as RA um, or, you know, some kind of arthritis. Um, So, but there can also be heart cardiac related symptoms. Um, You can have uh, a disrupted heartbeat, you can have palpitations, you can have um, heart block. Um, And again, I'm not not a doctor, Um, but there's there can be mental symptoms like forgetting words it's called word finding um forgetting where you're going like i would be driving and thank goodness for gps because i would be driving and completely i knew where i was going i just couldn't remember where i was at that moment and it was terrifying um the inability to concentrate and um when you're reading so their anger uh, a lot of like, um, if if you're typically a, a laid back person, and all of a sudden you just are filled with rage and have a lot of um, emotional, unexplained emotional um, things going on, uh, yeah, that can be a sign as well. So it, it's uh, there's a list out there, um, and I apologize for not being prepared um, with the name, but if you Google, you know, a list of um, of Lyme symptoms, it's like two pages long. It could be, it's, it's crazy. I didn't realize it was that bad, which I guess now that explains what the country artists that took time off because of Lyme disease. Yeah. So in 2014, a lot so of celebrities, yeah. So a lot of celebrities started talking about it and started saying, you know, they had been infected with Lyme disease. And from that point on, um, it has been in the, the news more frequently, wow. um, which is great to get people people's yeah, awareness get, out. Right. Yeah. I did want to mention back to the symptoms real quick. Um, one of the f- foolproof symptoms is getting a bullseye rash. So if you um, end up getting a rash on your body that looks like a bullseye, that is a hundred percent Lyme disease. There is no other disease that does that, to my knowledge. Right. Again, I have <clears throat> to make sure you understand I'm not speaking as a doctor um, but the the tricky thing with that is people think that that happens a hundred percent of the time if you are infected with Lyme disease and that is not true oh. you can have atypical rashes which I did I had a, a rash that covered my entire abdomen I was hospitalized for it um, and they had no idea what it was they thought I had a parasite um, because one of my blood counts was so crazy. The rash was that big? Yeah, so it covered wow. my entire abdomen. Um, but it was not a bullseye shape. It was just a hot, red, large rash. Um, so you can have an atypical rash, or you could have no rash at all. Really, if you get the bullseye rash, you're lucky, because you can go straight to the doctor, you can show them the rash, they 100% know you have Lyme disease, and they'll treat you. Um so if you are missing the rash or have an atypical rash, it can be trickier for sure. Now, is the rash going to appear where you got bitten? I'm not 100% sure okay. um, in all cases. 
I, in my case, my rash was not where I was bitten, but my husband actually got bitten um, about a year after I did on our property. Um, and he was lucky, got a bullseye rash and it did develop where he was bitten. So I'm not exactly sure wow. the answer to that. And I don't want to pretend I know 100% sure. Right. So I don't want to give misinformation. I'm scared now. I don't want to go back outside. <laughs> I know. One of the things that scares me is watching in the fall, because another misconception is that um, ticks die off in the winter. That's not true. Say what? Uh, ticks do not die off in the winter unless there is a severe, severe extended cold spell. Um, they do not all die off in the winter. So you can become infected in the winter um, and fall and spring and summer. Um, so in the fall, I really uh, freak out when I see parents raking up leaves and then the kids jumping in them because one of the hiding places oh. for ticks is in the leaf litter. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just like, my heart clenches because, um, you know, it's so devastating to a child when they, it, it does not matter what color you are, your age, female or male, um, it, Lyme doesn't discriminate. So it just um, is so devastating to me, especially when a child contracts Lyme disease because um, it, it can affect them for the rest of their lives. Now, I know the county in some areas will spray for mosquitoes, but do you know if there's, do we know if there's anything they could spray for Lyme disease on the grounds? Um, no, not in that, in that respect. I mean, there, there are certainly chemicals that you can buy and spread, like in your yard. I mean, okay. you're certainly not going to go <clears throat> to a, a huge field and do it, but you can, you can buy um, uh, things that kill spiders, ticks, everything right. else, and, and use a spreader in your yard, but that's about it. Um, we use tick Theoretically, tubes. yeah, they have the technology, but they don't do it. But, yeah. I'm sorry, you said tick tubes? Yeah, so there's something called tick tubes that you can buy. Um, depending on the size of your property, it may not be cost-effective for you. Um, you can buy pre-made ones, but we actually make them ourselves by saving our toilet paper rolls and our um, paper towel rolls um, through the winter months. And then um, I believe... I don't want to misspeak again. I wasn't prepared to completely talk about Lyme today, so I didn't have all my notes with me. Um, but what you do is take cotton like you would stuff a pillow with, or you would buy at Joanne right. Fabrics or something, um, and you save your tubes um, from the toilet paper, and you treat it with permethrin. You would have to cover your body because obviously you're working with the, the active chemical there, and you would dip the um, cotton into the into the tubes and then you would put them around the perimeter perimeter of your property and the reason you do that is because um, the mice the um, the ticks actually reproduce in where the mice um, set up their houses and so the mice go around and they collect the cotton for their nests and the cotton then is treated with permethrin. It does not harm the mammal. It doesn't harm the, the mouse, but it will kill any ticks that are in reproducing in the, um, in, the, in the nest of the mice. Um, and so on our own property, oh. because we, ha we have a horse and we have um, cats and 
cats and one dog, um, we do, did notice a huge decrease in the amount of ticks we found on our pets after we started using tick tubes on our property. So we put them out twice a year. I believe it's April and again, maybe in June. Again, I'm not, I'm not sure because I didn't bring my notes right. today. But um, yeah, so that's another way without having to spray because I, I love to um, do organic gardening. Right. And so I don't want to spray my entire and I have nine acres. So that would be oh, wow. a lot of spraying. But just about the acre around my house is where we lay the tick tubes to keep try to keep those at bay. Now I know where the website name came from. Nine Acres Designs, uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so my my company name is Nine Acres Designs LLC, and that's where, yeah, I wasn't very original with my <laughs> with my name. Yeah, Clever so. enough, yeah. <laughs> um, well, stepping back, you, you, you talk about your, your taking up the art and your interest, um, assuming it, it was basically therapy for you. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, have you met a lot of people in the same... Uh, doing the same type of thing, using art in one form or another um, I, as therapy for you know whatever may ail them or absolutely. I mean, people who are artists at heart, it's it's almost a um, compulsion. Like they have to do it. If you don't, and I'm sure Sheldon can can speak up because he's an an artist just in a different um, using different tools. Um, it's definitely therapeutic, um, mm -hmm. and I don't know how many people get into it for that reason, kind of, you know, backdoor type of thing like I did, um, but it's definitely something if you stop doing it, you can definitely tell. You get antsy and you need to start doing it again. Right. Um, it's definitely very therapeutic. Um, and almost every artist I've ever talked to is has a compulsion to do that, so... Um, how do you feel about yeah. that? Oh, Shelby? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of people, um, although being an orchestra musician, for instance, uh, we'll, and like, we'll have like 80 people, a lot, of, a lot of people, and it's not creation, it's... Um, expression? Well, yeah, it's kind of expression. It's like you're uh, recreating. Mm -hmm. So, um, but they're in it to um, to recreate art because unlike visual art music is not art unless it's being performed visual art you can walk into a museum and and you can see art and stuff right. but unless you're actually performing a piece it's not there in right. a way yeah so but people in the Susquehanna Symphony which is community orchestra, volunteer musicians, they come for a lot of different reasons. And uh, some of them are just to just come and make music and um, be part of the community and stuff. And it has great, there have been studies done that art makes a difference in your frame of mind. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, this is why a lot of people uh, get involved in the arts probably why a lot of people like to go out and do these painting things wine and paint or whatever yes. they yeah. paint and stuff mm -hmm. because yeah it's 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 something different and it makes them feel good mm -hmm. um great great you know. stress relief and uh, yeah and, you know, after. except when you're a conductor sometimes yeah <laughs> <laughs> well for me for me it was more about expression initially and it still is really mm -hmm. if i if i think about it 
um, because because I was so ill that um, I lost my ability to com communicate effectively. I prior to that I had been a writer, a blogger, um, a teacher. When Lyme disease took all that away from me and um, took away my ability to read and understand what I was reading and speak effectively, the only way that I could express myself and get my feelings out or my thoughts out were was to create something visual um, that didn't require language. Um, and but I do have to say, going back to um, the therapy thing, um, even though I'm a visual artist, I am highly inspired and um, desperately need music in my life. Whenever I'm creating, I usually have my uh, music app on, on my phone. I love going to concerts to listen to and be inspired by music. A lot of my titles are taken from music lyrics. Um, so it's it's definitely something that you don't just fit into this little cubby hole. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure musicians are inspired by vi the visual arts and, yeah. and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I'm yeah. the same way. I'm home working. I got a yeah, you know, I love it, especially if my daughter or my wife aren't home at the time because that means you know I can put on the kind of music I like to listen to. Mm -hmm. Wednesday mornings especially, you know, the bare necessities, <laughs> but uh, a little plug there for you, Sheldon. <laughs> but because uh, I love listening to jazz. I mm -hmm. I love um, the orchestral music. I love opera. Mm -hmm. and But I can't listen to it with somebody else else because mm. they're like, what are you listening to? Man? I struggle but, with opera. I mean, I don't have anything oh, against no. it. <laughs> I just, it's not that I don't like it. I... I just need to understand what what the and a lot of opera is in different language and so mm -hmm. it's the language barrier for me. Well, so uh, I have a daughter that's uh, born in 1999, mm -hmm. and she's studying in London, and she wants to run an opera house, and that's what she wants to do. So when people say uh, about opera that you know they they, are, my first thing is how many have you been to live? Mm -hmm. Because unless you're going live, mm -hmm. you can go to the Metropolitan Opera at Riga Cinemas on mm -hmm. Saturday sometimes and watch. And that's actually kind of fun because you get to eat popcorn and drink soda <laughs> while you're watching the opera. And they do some really cool things. But if you've never been to one, mm -hmm. you have no idea. Yeah. Uh, the English language is there for you. It depends on where you are. And it's, it's an amazing it's an amazing thing. The stories are great in most cases, and sometimes they're a little convoluted, but no worse than, you know, soap operas on, in the <laughs> afternoon. So, um, and, and a lot of them are very much soap operas. Yeah. Uh, Wagner's, Richard Wagner, you would say Wagner, uh. Uh, Ring, he, he, it's the same story as Lord of the Rings, it's the same story as Star Wars. I mean, you know, it's all this Nordic myth stuff mm -hmm. and someone's a little goofy you know and you know his second opera for instance Die Valkyrie has a um, a woman and a man who have young who have never met and uh, they finally meet in this house that has a tree inside of the house with the sword in it so and this man and the woman who have never met are falling in love but it turns out they're brother and sister. 
So just think oh, about no. how many. So there's Star Wars. <laughs> there's Sir Lancelot. I mean, you know, it just yeah. goes down. It's all this Nordic mythology that you know. But and, and that's something and you have cool. to watch. Mm-hmm. You have yeah, to. You, you have, have to, go. to watch an opera. Go or, yeah. and watch because, like some people, like I was doing the show, the radio show, and somebody called, and I was. I rarely play vocal music because right. people would rather not. Because people have it music on as background, you know, in their doctor's offices and stuff. So they generally don't like to hear vocal music. But somebody called and said, well, so-and-so is singing opera. Well, no, they're not singing opera. They might be singing an aria from an opera, but that's not singing opera. Singing right. opera means you're actually acting and Perfect. singing, and, and it, it's, a, it's a huge difference. So I would encourage people to go to opera and you know what's a good place to go wolf trap in the summer they do oh. a few operas and they're well done and they use all young people national symphony usually plays in the pit and wolf trap's just a good place they have jazz they have rock they have all kinds they do a little of, bit of everything music. out there they do great work and you know it's an hour and 15 minutes to get there on a good day and you take a picnic lunch and or dinner, and you go, I'll go to, to the opera. I'll have to give it a shot. Barbara of you Seville. my mind. Barbara of Seville. <laughs> they're doing, I just got the list. They're doing Barbara of Seville. It's hysterical. You know, it, w- many of us, like Rich and me, we learned Barbara of Seville through Bugs, Bugs Bunny and Albert <laughs> Fun. You <Yep>. know. <laughs> and, and, and Richard Wagner, Kill the Wabbit. And, you know... Um, and, and Bugs Bunny is cutting Elmer Fudd's hair. I mean, you can't, I can't conduct Barbara Seville, which I've done, without thinking of Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd. You, you just can't do it. Um, but, yeah, go. Go and make it an event, you know, and you, you can follow along with the, with the words and stuff. So what happened with Morgan is uh, it was in the summer, and like I said, the Regal Cinema will have a number of operas live from the Met over a season, maybe ten, and it's a little it's a little bit more expensive, and it's live. They right. they run the cameras and stuff live from the Met, which is really cool. And then they'll do some, uh, like in the summer, they'll reshow some of them that they did, obviously no longer live. And so I said, oh well, let's go see De Rosencavalier. Well, Dad, I don't want to. It's opera. Well. Yeah, well, you know, bring a friend, and you know, we'll just go. And my son went, so we went to see De Rosencavalier by, or um, by uh, Richard Strauss, and it's beautiful. It's it's all about Viennese like schmaltz, the the waltzes and stuff, right. and it's 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 just a stunning performance. And she fell in love. She loves opera. She's been to new operas, you know, Verdi and Wagner and Puccini and stuff, and she just loves it. She is, and uh, so you got to at least experience it. You least need once. to you need to give it a, give it a shot. So yeah. you know, it always cracks me up when, like, on America's Got Talent, somebody sings, and it's always the same one or two arias. Oh, they're singing opera. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, opera's a lot more than that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we went up to the Metropolitan Opera and actually talked to one of the violinists. One of my former students knows a violinist. In the He's Met. got students, former students and everywhere. <laughs> her husband, yeah, her husband does the lighting. 
So uh, we got to go backstage and see the light, you know, where all the computers are and the light right. and stuff. And uh, I just read a really interesting article. How many people are um, make their living through the arts mm. in the United States? It's more than in agriculture, for instance. That's amazing. Wow. It's the, the arts are, um, a, it's a lot of people make a living. And then, of course, there's restaurants that that um, are involved, you know, in, yeah. in the arts as well. Like, you come to a, a concert, you're going to go out to dinner before, you know, stuff like that. It, it really affects the economy in a very positive way. Mm-hmm. So anytime they're talking about limiting uh, some help for the arts, uh, it just drives me nuts because it's such a small amount. And the positives that come out of that are huge. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so here, there's a lot of data on, online about about this. And, you know, it's not just artists that are hired. It's carpenters and seamstress, uh, lighting people, and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Oh, and that's one thing a lot of people don't realize, you know, with the arts, what's involved. with it, I mean, yeah. And different types of artists. It, 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 Look it, at some of your chefs out there. What they do Absolutely. is a true it art. Is, it yes. is an art. It, well, you're right. Yeah, culinary arts. Absolutely. It, it is an Just art. like I think authors, some authors, are, to me, Literature. I consider some of them Literature. artists. Absolutely. Film. My daughter's going to film school right now. Oh, cool. Um, she graduates next month. Yay. Um, yeah, so she's going to be a film editor. So, oh, good. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I'm excited for Speaking her. of filming, you said you took a class on black and white photography. Yes. We had a... Uh, young gentleman on the podcast a while ago, Benjamin Murray. He's taught him and his friend are doing. It may be finished now. A short film using thirty-two millimeter. I think it is film because they just they said the digital. They did did stuff in digital, but he says something about doing it on film mm-hmm. just grabs more. It's more realistic. Have do you still do any? photography with film or is it all digital i don't but you know what's funny is a lot of times i spend my time after i take a digital photograph trying to make it look like a vintage photograph taken on film yeah so there's there's apps out there <laughs> there's well, literally yeah. an app for anything um, but there's an app out there that lots of apps out there that have retro or vintage type mm. Of, um, of looks to them. And one of them is Hipstamatic, and I actually teach that in one of my HCC classes, um, how to take amazing iPhone pictures. So yes, I teach iPhone photography is actually a class. Um, and I teach them that app because a lot of people are still drawn to the nostalgia of film. Right. And, um, and yeah, so. I would just say, because one of the things I've always wanted, I love doing photography, mm-hmm. but I, Always went to learn how to develop my own film and mm-hmm. never did. Yeah, but you took that class. I, I think did. I, that would be. I did. I mean, don't you miss doing that sometimes? I do, and it, I wish I had a dark room in my own house, um, but with the chemicals and things, and and it's mm. just so difficult now to even find film. I was going to say probably more expensive to buy film yeah. now. Yeah, oh, really? yeah, it yeah, is. I think there's only what one company left that that actually makes it yeah. cheap. Yeah, really? I think so. Yeah. yeah, and so it's wow. it's just super expensive. Um, I, you know, if I had unlimited finances, I for sure <laughs> would <laughs> would do that. Um, 
but it's it's definitely I, I still have people come and show up in my classes who haven't touched a digital camera because once kind of the film cameras went um, went the way of you know tech, when technology advanced um, they just didn't want to make that transition and now they're doing mm. it later in life and they've forgotten a lot of things but really transitioning from a film camera to a digital camera is um, pretty intuitive I mean it the camera is a camera it works the same way right um, that that the you know, you're just taking out the film and putting in a sensor, basically. So, um, yeah, it still has a lot of appeal for people, and people miss it for yeah, sure. Yeah, there are a lot, of, a lot of purists will will uh, continue to use that, and like you said, you know, they may go broke doing yes. it, but they'll stick with the film. Yeah, it's not I, a cheap I, hobby. No, not at all. I, I remember growing up, my father, for a few years, got us into uh, developing our own film, the old 110. Mm -hmm. Um, and that wow. was fun. I still remember doing it. I mean, it was a long time ago, but I remember doing it. And it was fun. It is still fun. have a few. Yeah, it is fun. Few I photographs. I can still left, smell the yeah the fixer. Yes. Right. Wasn't <laughs> yes. That it? Yeah. 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 Well, we had a we had a dark room in our house. So, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. It was definitely fun, but um, haven't done anything since. You know, and I, I use strictly digital. But if I could, if I could, like you, if I could afford to stick with film and, and set up a dark room, I would. But, the, uh, the great thing about digital yeah. is it opens the door to so many more people. Um, and the reason I say that is because you don't have to be a pro and, and know exactly what you're mm -hmm. doing. You can afford, literally afford, to mess up. You yeah. just delete the picture. Right. You know, back in film days, you, you kind of had to know what you were doing because if you didn't and you messed up the whole roll of film, that was, you know, money. Money down the drain. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I did that quite a bit when I, when I was in the service overseas. You know, I lost a lot of pictures. Um, you know, I had a uh, 35 millimeter, and, um, you know, I was just a, a regular uh, uh, tourist type picture taker. Mm -hmm. But, um, I didn't pay attention to light, didn't pay, you know, I'd mm. shoot at something and the sun be right right behind it, <laughs> blur out the picture. I'd move too much and blur out the picture, too dark, you know, all the, all the things that could go wrong. You should come to my class, so. I'll help you fix all that. Well, that was, that was 35 <laughs> years ago. I'm a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I, yeah, I've overcome a lot of that stuff. But, um, yeah, you're right. You, you had to know what you were doing. Uh, otherwise, you end up with a lot of... A lot of uh, uh, destroyed rolls of film. Exactly. And, uh, but today, like you said, I can I can take a picture, and uh, I'll make a copy of it. So I keep the original. I always keep the original, and then I'll create a folder, you know, fixed or ready for publishing. Edited. Or whatever. Yep. And I might go through it three, four, five times, trying different filters, different things, delete, 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 and then finally get the one I want. Exactly. Or if I don't, I'll keep the original and I'll come back to it, you know, sometime later. When so there is that. Yeah. One of the downsides of digital, um, and especially uh, phone photography, is now everybody is a photographer. Yes, yeah. you know, um, I, I used to, I used to say when people when I was doing uh, real estate photography, they would say, "What do you do?" And I'm, I'm a photographer. Oh, so am I. But yeah. they didn't have yeah. a business license. You know, just because you can point and shoot your your camera on your phone doesn't make you a right. photographer. So. 
in a way, it oversaturated the market mm -hmm. because there's so many ways for people to take photos and share those photos and sell those photos, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it did kind of saturate the market a yeah. bit, which actually made my switch to digital art and um, uh, mobile art. I, I do more of a kind of a collage type of feel, and I also use a lot of vintage photography in, in my art pieces. Um, and that helped me stand out again from, because literally everybody has a camera in their pocket yeah. everywhere they go. And we're so inundated with visuals of what every people's everyday life is like. You, you just kind of get lost in the, the swamp yeah. of things. Yeah, so very definitely oversaturated yeah. to the point where it's, you know, why are you sharing this stuff? Exactly. You know, it's, um, but you know, it, it, uh, now I'm one of the one of the people that I, uh, you know, I have a phone on here. I think it was <laughs> I have um, a phone on here. On, yeah, <laughs> on, on this thing, <laughs> I have a phone uh, on my camera. <laughs> uh, phone on my camera, yeah. Um, this camera, I, I, I think it's like a five or seven meg megapixel. But I I stink with this. I cannot get decent pictures out of this. I teach that too. You know, um, <laughs> I don't know. To be honest, I don't know if I'm interested in it. But uh, I mean, it's convenient to yes, have it on it the is. road, but. Um, that's the, the one thing I have not been able to get uh, decent pictures with. Yeah. Um, even you know I, I use uh, another. Now this is not an Apple. It's a uh, it's an Android type phone. But um, I've used Apple's and, and same thing. I just I just I don't know what it is. Um, maybe it's my aversion to using it, but that, yeah. that creates the problem. But, well, where are the megapixels up to now on cell phones? I'm sorry, cell cameras or whatever. I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. They're big enough to print. Like when I, uh, to be honest, um, because of I still have effects from the Lyme disease, um, I'm starting to, in the last year, carry around my DSLR again. That's the digital mm -hmm. um, SLR cameras. Um, but they're heavy. They're, yeah. they're heavy yeah. and bulky. Um, and so the convenience of being able to pull my iPhone out of my pocket, I probably use my iPhone in upwards of 60% of my artwork. And wow. so the megapixels have um, developed enough that I can print those, you know, 11 by 14 easily without, um, you know, my finished art products um, easily without having, um, you know, any disruption to quality um, at all. So yeah. yeah, I have to admit, they, I mean, they, they do produce, you're right, they do produce some top quality but I just, yeah. uh, I can't get, I have to have that camera in my hand. Yeah, I would say yeah. my, my uh, uh, straight out of the camera um, picture, probably about 3,000 pixels yeah. on, a, on a side um, for, for an iPhone now. So it's, pre it's pretty big. It's, yeah, it's decent. Yeah. Decent They're stuff. little computers now is what they are. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you got, well, DJs. Now we see DJs using them. Which oh, hurts right. the market. Unfortunately, hurts the market for it because yeah. they'll charge people to DJ a party, and yet they're streaming their music. Which well, you and I talked about that can't do that. Um, but even I'm seeing people use their phones to do a podcast too. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They, oh, yeah. They, they just plug in their headphones, and everything, yeah. or devices. It, I mean, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I remember years ago when Law got me into the computer field. We went to, um, you didn't go to this, but we went somewhere, um, a seminar or something, and they were talking about the future of computers. Mm -hmm. And there was a guy there, he had uh, like a ballpoint pen, 
they never did put it out. At least I haven't seen it. And what it was, he put it in a little base, took the top off, put the top here. Well, the pen projected like a computer screen, and then on the table projected a keyboard. keyboard. <clears throat> yeah. How about and that? you were able to use it. It's crazy. That was that was the computer. Was the pen, <clears throat> man. Yeah. It's just <laughs> Unfortunately, my age is going against me because as I get older, it's harder and harder <laughs> to see this small screen. <laughs> so um, I have to get like, you know, the max size or right. the plus size of whatever phones they're putting out uh, uh, just to give me. I still a can't type on them. I mean, I see people hold them and they're like, thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> my thumbs get in the way. Yeah, yeah definitely. I cannot do it either. You know, I'm sitting there sitting, trying to send somebody a message, and they're like replying, and they're keep going. To go. I said, like, "Man, I'm still all, I'm not even done three oh, no. words yet." T <laughs> and <Yeah>. E. <laughs> My like, "Dad, you gotta type fast." I can't. It's right. just sitting there with two thumbs. Like I got fat fingers, I can't do it's, it. It's a young person thing. So oh. It most definitely is. But they'll feel it later, though. And that stupid autocorrect. Yeah. Oh, I know that that yeah. creates some pretty funny. Oh, so. it also creates your <laughs> trouble sometimes too. <laughs> and then when I'm uh, when I'm typing uh, words like about compositions and they're in other languages or the composer's oh. name is another language and it keeps wanting to change. Yes, to, you know, go to the left and it, no, this is the way it's spelled. That's annoying so. uh, <laughs> for sure. God. Going back to the oversaturation of the market, though, I'm always looking for ways to separate myself from what other people are doing. So recently, my newest thing is um, I took a, um, I, and that's the other thing, as an artist, I'm, because I feel like I missed out that whole midsection of my life in art because of that darn mm -hmm. art teacher, um, <laughs> now I, I like to take art classes and I like to learn from others and have experiences as much as I can. Training and never stops. Last, uh, last year I took a, a class at HCC on collage and mm. I have always been an office supply person. Is that weird? I feel like that's weird. I love yeah. office supplies. I love pens, pencils, papers. <laughs> I like old papers. I love... Tracy, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel like that's really weird. But I've, I've heard other people out there say they... There, a lot there are of people teachers, like Stranger Things, so don't worry about it. <laughs> a lot of teachers like office supplies. Um, but uh, So I took this collage class because I've always had, the, had this obsession with paper. Like just newspaper, all different kinds mm -hmm. of papers, even handwritten notes that I found like from my in my grandmother's things, things like that. And I've always kind of collected it all and not known what to do with it. I just loved the paper. So I took this collage class, fell completely in love with collage. So what I've been doing lately, my newest projects have been combining, not creating traditional collage because I'm not gluing the pieces down, mm -hmm. but using scraps of paper, cutting things out of books and magazines, um, and then creating new things from those like a traditional collage artist would be, except I arrange them on a table with a white background and then I photograph it. And then, so then I take the photographed collage and then I manipulate it and change it digitally in either my apps or on my phone. Right. So it's, it's really a marriage of collage and, um, and digital or mobile uh, photography and art. So it's really hard to explain, but if you want to, can, can I give myself a plug? 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's why you're here. If you anyone that's not allowed to is Sheldon. If you want to check out, um, it's it's hard to visualize kind of kind of what I do and how I integrate uh, digital stamps and um, textures and vintage papers and things into my work. Check out my website. It's www. Nine acres a c r e s designs. Dot com and um, I have some samples of work on there. It'll be linked on the uh, oh, okay, for the great. Podcast, yeah, so. yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, so that's upcoming, and I actually have a show I'm super excited about. Um, I just found out I'm going to have a solo art show at the World Trade Center in Baltimore. Wow. Um, August 14th through September 14th. Wow, that's so, great. Yeah, yeah, so I'm super excited about that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really thankful for that opportunity. Um, and I just, speaking of Harford Cable Network, just yesterday they released their new Living Well um, program um, for April. And I have a small segment on there uh, about how to take better photographs. Please don't laugh at oh, it. Wow. I'll just tell you I'm better behind the camera than I am in front of the camera. I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> I bet you've never broken a camera. <laughs> um, no, actually, I have not broken a camera. Yes, I have, Sheldon. The first <laughs> yeah. podcast, yeah. Because okay. we were videotaping and the camera uh -huh. broke. Camera broke. Oh, no. That's yeah, no good. I wasn't on that one. <laughs> no, no, because I would have blamed you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, now, are all your classes only taught at the college? Yes. So, okay. um, I used to be part of Arts by the Bay Gallery in mm -hmm. Habity Grace, um, but when I went back to teaching, I have to be very, very careful about my time because I still get very tired mm -hmm. and can overwhelm myself and I'm a type A person I want to do everything so I have to I, that's one of the things that Lyme has helped me with is really regulating my time and right. prioritizing things and when I went back to teaching I decided to um, to stop showing there for the time being because I didn't want to overwhelm myself um, but I used to do workshops there as well okay. and um, so I kind of was was doing independent workshops or workshops for the galleries and then kind of morphed to that into creating continuing ed classes for Harford Community College. Um, and I recently started, if anybody's interested in photography, um, starting Harford County photo field trips um, and completely free. It's anybody, any type of camera, any level of experience. Um, we just meet up once a month at a local Harford County location. We talk photography, we meet new friends, we, we go and practice our photography, and then we, we kind of share um, That's awesome. what we've mm -hmm. done. So our next one... Are kids allowed to partake in that? Um, I would say, you know, older kids. I okay. wouldn't drag along your two-year-old. Well, it, no. It, yeah, <laughs> if you're there to, to take photographs you want to be able to make sure that you're not having to keep track of a child that needs close right. keeping track of. I meant like teenagers. Yes yeah, teenagers okay. are definitely welcome. Um, our next one is April 14th. Um, it's a Sunday at 3 p.m. We're just going it's very kind of laid back you know nothing is required of you you just show up. Um, we're going to do Kilgore Falls and we're going to hike up to the falls and uh, practice some um, slow shutter photography, which... Oh, wow. Yeah, so it makes the waterfall look very dreamy mm -hmm. and kind of gauzy. Um, and if you don't know how to do that, that's fine. I'm going to be there. I'd be happy to show you and, and practice mm -hmm. with you. So um, we just did Eden Mill 
back in, mm, when did we do that? We did that in February. Um, we skipped March because we were going to do Kilgore Falls, but we had all that rain and flooding. Uh, yes. And you have to kind of cross the, the stream there at that one point, And right. I just didn't want to endanger anybody or their equipment. Right. So we canceled that that one and rescheduled for April 13th, or excuse me, 14th. And this is, this, uh, is this information on your website? Um, I do not have it on my website yet, but I will get that on there hopefully by yeah. by the weekend. Yeah. Um, but it's it, on your Facebook page. It is on my Facebook okay. page, and I started a Facebook page um, just mm. for Harford County photo field trips. So if they if you go to Facebook and go to the search bar and put Harford County photo field trips, um, it should come up. Okay. It's a it's a closed group, which just simply means that you need to request to join, right. and I'll just go ahead and add you. So if you're interested in that um, and want to know where, we, um, I think next we're planning on going to Havity Grace along the promenade and the boardwalk mm -hmm. area and the lighthouse. So if you're just um, interested in kind of a laid back fun type of group um, that's free and you want to learn more about photography or practice your photography we accept everybody from iPhone users or Android users all the way up to DSLR users everybody from amateurs to pros it's just um, just a fun group to get out get out of the house and enjoy right. photography and the thing with Harford County there's so many different places to go to so many uh, gorgeous, different things yes. to photograph yeah we had there's a uh, lady that goes to Mary Point Park and so far she's what found 115 different species of birds something like that yeah mm, that's incredible yeah yeah and if you go into the uh, park center there they had you know some of her photographs are displayed and mm -hmm. it's just I didn't realize there was that many birds around here but uh, simply amazing so yeah, that is cool um, and, and thank you because you also do when you put I noticed when you put some of your events on Facebook you add Harford County Living as a co-host, which gets at the more people. So I do. Thank I you for listening, because I keep telling people that, and they st <laughs> still I, don't. Well, I don't think people know that. Like, I didn't know that before yeah. you told me that. So I was like, oh, that's awesome, because the more people we reach, the you know, yeah. the better it is. Well, so. that's why I just also updated that on the group page today. I saw that. people know, because <laughs> it gets lost. So. Yeah. Sheldon, anything to add before we wrap up? I, people I, need I'm, to know where to get the tickets. Online. <laughs> www.ssorchestra.org, O-R-G. Uh, Google Susquehanna Symphony Orchestra. Google Sheldon Bear. And I have a new website. Yes, you do. It might be really hard for you to remember it. So listen carefully. It's SheldonBear.com. B-E-A-R. Yes. No. <laughs> Silly boy. Um, be, and uh, there's all kinds of stuff on there that you probably don't want to read about me. So, but it's it's it has my music uh, where you can buy some of my pieces that I've written that sort of thing. So. Actually, are you composing anything? Not no? presently. Not presently. But okay. Tomorrow I leave for Florida to work for the with the middle school orchestra that's playing my music. Oh, that's fun. Isn't that fun? Wait a minute. Huh? And in Florida? Florida. That's one of the states in the United States. I, it's, <laughs> it's south of here. And uh, it's close to Orlando. <laughs> Lake Mary, it's called. And somebody used to play in Susquehanna Symphony. Uh, they're working with students in an orchestra down there. They're their teacher. 
So uh, they said, well, you know, we work things out. So they're going to cool. fly me down. That's so awesome. my arms won't get tired. <laughs> oh, God. I this told is him, how he yeah, is at concerts. This is how he is on the radio, too. I mean, it's a little embarrassing. <laughs> him and Gary I, get I together haven't tried to do that much stuff on the radio. That, you know, people go, oh. Really? You don't have that live feedback, the encouragement. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not doing a call-in show. This is not, this is not happening. Because he'll be calling you in, rising you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> awful. Tracy, you have anything to add? Um, no, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great opportunity. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. And anytime you want to come back on, please do. Sheldon, no. no. <laughs> and thanks uh, for... Showing your art at the Absolutely. SSO concerts. Any way we can support Super. you, and we appreciate you supporting us. So, thank you. It, and it's I'll really see you, important. See you next month. Yeah. So May eighteenth. May eighteenth. Get your tickets now. Seven thirty p.m. You can get tickets at the door too. Right. Come you a little know. early to check out the artist. Come early. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Sheldon won't change the date, even though you know Lyle and I have something that night. But that's okay. Whatever. We understand. <laughs> Thanks again, guys. Okay, thank you. Hey, thank anybody you. listening again, if you want to be on the Harford County Living Podcast, uh, just reach out to us, 443-982-0250, or email podcast at harfordcountyliving.com. You know, I see it all the time. People are always wanting to help out, which is good. Unfortunately, there are times when people try to raise funds for somebody, for a family in need, or something else, and because they're not hooked up with a nonprofit, the monies that are donated are not tax deductible. Or they want to put on an event, but they can't put on the event because they need insurance and the insurance just costs way too much. Well, I'm here to tell you there is a organization right here in Joppa Town that covers all that. And if you join them, not only do you get benefits from Hertz Rent-A-Car, 1-800-Flowers, the Clay Monet, which is a local business, Town Grill and Pub, which is a local business, there's so much more that you get discounts from just being a member of this organization. And they do a lot with the kids. They do vision screening, hearing screening, diabetes research, hunger. They're grilling out all the times for other nonprofits and for the homeless. You know, Plus cleaning up the parks, and that's the Joppa Town Lions Club. Contact them right now. You'll find the link on HartfordCountyLiving.com and ask them how you can become a member of the Jabba Town Lions Club.